listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au and Queensland Rail, committed to educating drivers to know their vehicle height and to plan their trip ahead to avoid low-lying bridges. Go to www.qr.com.au. G'day again and welcome to episode 111 of On The Road. As always, it's great to have your company. We truly have the best listeners of any podcast ever, and we really appreciate you tuning in each week to the show. This week, Mike is joined by Luke McCrone from Victorian Tippers United to talk about the TWU elections in the Garden State. We introduce you to Hayley Jensen, one of Australia's most loved music artists, and we discuss her new single, her career, albums, hectic touring schedule, and her special relationship with Canada. All the latest from the On The Road newsroom, plus a little later on in something to talk about, Mike has a rave about big issues in the road transport industry. And to take us out of the show this week, Hayley Jensen's back with Canadian country rocker Dan Davidson with their super hit duet. Crank up the volume, you won't... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get over that! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. (laughs) Across the nation, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, australiantruckradio.com.au. listening back to the interview that you're about to hear i noticed that the sound levels changed a little bit and it got a little bit echoey there i apologize to you all for that anyway luke mccrone secretary of the victorian tippers united joins us on the show today we're going to have a bit of a chat about what's going on in victoria a little bird told me to give him a ring and ask him what's going on with the twu elections down there luke welcome to the show thanks for having me again mike it's great to be back no worries mate There's an election for the TWU positions down there this November, I believe, and most people understand that all the union positions are elected right from the very top down. I understand you're going to look at unseating a bloke named Mike McNess, who's been a union representative down there for over 20 years. I will say that here's a bloke that I couldn't pick out of a lineup. I didn't even know his name. So what's the story down there, mate? Yeah, sure. Thanks, mate. I'm part of a team called On Your Side, and we're challenging the incumbents here in Victoria in the TWU election. So that's, as you say, a fellow called Mike McNess. I don't think you're the only one that couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Not a very well-known character in the transport industry, but he leads the TWU here in Victoria, and we think the union could be doing a better job. I suppose that's a polite way to put it. <laughs> you're probably not on your own in that, though, mate. No. Well, look, the membership down here in Victoria gets smaller every year. I think they had about twelve or 13,000 four years ago when the last election was held. They're down to about 11,000. And, you know, they seem to really be unable to capitalise on the situation we find ourselves in in transport at the moment where truck drivers, like you or me, our skills are in demand. You know, nobody can get enough truck drivers, yep. but the wages and the conditions are not improving as they should be. The union really needs to be taking advantage of this moment in time, but they're just failing to do that. 
It's only members that'll get a vote, but we want to give the members an opportunity to put a team in control of the union that's actually got a bit of industry experience. Well, I suppose union organisers generally do tend to have some experience. I don't know how they go after being where he's been for as long as he's been. Certainly, my friend Glenn Stirl, you couldn't call him inexperienced or someone that doesn't walk to walk and talk to talk. I don't suppose they're all like him, though, are they? Well, Glenn's a shining example. I think Glenn's a real breath of fresh air in politics. You can tell he's a bloke that knows his way around a truck. Mm. But if you look at the TWU at the moment, sort of from the very top down, you've got Michael Kane, who's a lawyer. You've got Nick, can't even recall the name of the Assistant Secretary, <laughs> but he's, <laughs> he's also a lawyer. I mean, in Victoria, in the leadership, we've got Mike, who has been 25 years at the union. I don't know if he's ever driven a truck. And he's 2IC, bloke called Mem Suleiman, straight out of the Labor Party. Again, never driven a truck. So you've got the entire leadership team at the union has never worked in transport. It's hard to imagine how the people who are out there making decisions on behalf of truck drivers have never done the job Mm. and can be representing us properly. Well, far be it for me to defend anyone who's in the union, but I will say that at least Michael Kane has been a lawyer working in industrial law and transport law before he took his position at the head of the union. I believe he's still director of TWU Super and all that sort of thing. As I say, I'm not defending their role or their experience anyway. And there's absolutely a role for people with that level of experience. I'm not saying there's not. Hmm. But when your entire leadership is made up of people that have never worked from the industry, it's no surprise that people who work in the industry feel that the union is not adequately representing them. Hmm. You only need to look at the membership. I mean, 11,000 members between Victoria and Tasmania. Hmm. There's a hell of a lot of trucks on the road, you know. There's more than 11,000 people working in the industry. There'd probably be 100,000 in transport between those two states, and most of them are not union members, and so there's a reason for that. There's a lot of guys that aren't in the union. I'm certainly not in the union. Having said that, you know, without going to the reasons why I'm not in the union, I, I do struggle sometimes with some of the positions that the union has taken on things. I'm sure people do. So what's your plan as far as this election goes? When is the election? How do the members get to vote? What are your plans? What's your platform, mate? Yeah, absolutely. So what will happen is members will get ballot papers in the mail around mid-November and they'll have to return those by the start of December when the ballots will be counted. Our platform is, we've got a few planks to it, but one of them is we're going to have to deal with the salaries that are being paid. So the boss of the TW here in Victoria is on almost $250,000 a year, his total salary package. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? So we're going to cut that dramatically. So we'll take 20% cut on that straight away. The Assistant Secretary will have a similar cut in pay and we're going to reinvest that money back into providing better training and better support for delegates. Right. Because they're the key face of the union and so we need to make sure they're getting proper training and we need to make sure they're being supported so that they can assist members at a workplace level. The other couple of things that we're going to do is one thing that's come out so far in the campaign We're getting a lot of calls from members who are ringing us looking for industrial advice because they can't get in touch with anybody from the union. Their organiser isn't calling them back. They ring the office, they're not getting called back. So I think what we really need to do is have a call centre that's available for members to ring in and get industrial advice from trained professionals on the spot. That's going to provide a bit of a benefit for members. And then the other thing that the union really needs to do, very important, is it needs to stop being a union just for Toll and Lynn Fox and a handful of bus companies. 
transport is incredibly competitive market, as you know, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have one company will come in and take another company's work that they've been doing for years just because they're a tiny little bit cheaper. And so the union's approach of only really focusing on the big boys, the majors, means that all these smaller companies are out there with low wages and low conditions, and they are making it very difficult for the bigger, well-paying transport companies to continue to provide good jobs for union members. So one thing we'll be doing is we'll be absolutely focusing on those non-union companies, getting out and talking to those workers, helping them understand why they're better off being a part of the union and lifting their wages up closer to the tolls and the lint foxes of this world so that it's a more level playing field and we can start to then raise wages and conditions across the board because now is our chance. As I said before, our skills are in demand. There's hundreds of jobs available for truck drivers at the moment. So now is our chance to be pushing up wages across the entire industry, not just at those few large companies. Well, I've got no argument at all with anything that you've said there. For me, driver recruitment, retention and training, Mm. probably three of the biggest issues. We've just seen Kitco from Kuirup. That's the Kuirup Interstate Transport Company for people that don't know them. Big green trucks with a big orange clover leaf. Many drivers would recognise them if they saw them on the road. They're closing their doors, apparently. They can't get experienced drivers. They can't replace key staff, and so they're closing down. Now, my comment on that has always been that it's all about the money. It's always been about the money. The rates have got to be right. If you're not charging the right rates, then you can't do all the other things. Mate, We've heard Glenn Stirl and Chris Bowen say that they're going to be bringing legislation to the parliament that is going to presage the return of the Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal, probably in another name. Yep. There's a huge role for the union in that negotiation to make that happen. It seems to me that you don't have a lot of faith in the union having the ability to put in a good showing in Victoria. Is that a fair statement or are we looking somewhere else there? Well, look, to give you an idea, we've got in Victoria... It's not the same as the Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal, but we've got a body here in Victoria called the Transport Industry Council, which the union is a a significant part of. And we've been having arguments with them about the cost models they put out for tip truck owner drivers like myself. And we had a big argument with some of the bureaucrats the other day. They haven't factored in breakdowns into their cost model at all. And their response to that is, oh, well, that's just a risk of running a business. But that is absolute garbage. When you run a truck, there are risks, of course, and the risks have to do with the size of the breakdown, not whether or not you're going to have a significant mechanical bill for the year. I've been running trucks for five years. There's not a single year where I don't spend five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars on bits and pieces here and there, a clutch, a diff, or well, something's going wrong, right? And that's guaranteed. You know, the risk is you're going to do an engine and you're out 30, 40 grand. But, you know, you, you talk to anybody who's owned a truck or driven trucks for a long time. You don't need to explain that to them. But you've got these bureaucrats, and I'm including some of the TW officials in that, they just don't get our industry. And we're about to have a federal body that is going to set minimum rates for owner drivers. And I do wonder or do worry, just based on the Victorian experience, whether or not they will have the industry experience to do that properly. Yeah. Look, we do need something to help owner drivers to set minimum rates, absolutely. But we also need to make sure that we are engaging with the people that actually own trucks and getting their feedback so that whatever they come up with is actually fit for purpose. Mm. Well, we'll just take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors, mate, and we'll come back and we'll have a talk about this minimum rates idea because I'm not convinced it's the best way to go, and I'll tell you why when we come back. Absolutely. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. 
We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. We're back with Luke McCrone, Secretary of the Victorian Tippers United, and he's talking about running a slate of people to try and replace senior positions in the Victorian Transport Workers Union. Luke, we were talking before we went to the break about minimum rates and things like that, and I said to you that I wasn't 100% keen on the idea of legislated minimum rates. I'm keen on the idea of an advisory minimum rate that's published and everyone knows what that rate is, all the companies, all the owner-drivers and things like that. And I'll tell you why I'm more keen on that idea rather than a legislated minimum rate. What worries me about a legislated minimum rate is that it becomes the rate. People say that is what you're going to get. And I think I suppose there has to be a level of acknowledgement that every single business is different. Your operating costs aren't the same as mine, even though we might be doing similar work. Line haul is different to carting stock, is different to carting tippers, is different to carting grain. We're all different. <clears throat> and so I think it's too big a task to go ahead and try and work out what a minimum should be. We should have, I suppose, a recommended minimum. And that should be something that's adjusted with CPI. It doesn't have to be legislated. It can be agreed. So you get someone like you know yourselves and the VTA and other groups that say, okay, well, our industry rate might be X dollars a tonne or X dollars a kilometre for kilometre work or X dollars a load, for example, rather than saying it's $25 a tonne and you've got to cut that 25 kilometres. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense to you at all? Yeah, look, it does make a lot of sense. We have a setup similar to that here in Victoria. I mentioned before the Transport Industry Council. So they publish a set of recommended rates right. for owner-drivers. Yep. But, you know, they're largely ignored. And until the state government here in Victoria said, well, we're going to make those recommended rates mandatory on our projects, mm. they were completely ignored by the industry. So I'm not sure that that's the solution. I think, though, you're quite right in what you say the transport industry is very diverse and there's people that are working as owner-drivers, but there's really not a great deal of difference between them and an employee. Yep. So if you look at an owner-driver, for example, driving an Agi for Holtham or for Hanson, the truck is painted up in the livery of the company. They can't, in many instances, under their contract, even take the truck from the yard without written permission from their hirer. Mm. So they're a very different type of owner-driver to somebody who's got a tipper or, you know, as a tow operator or has got a trailer and they fill it up and they've got a number of different clients and they bid on different work and they're running quite dynamic businesses with different prices. So I think probably what needs to happen in terms of the setting a minimum rate is looking for examples where, you know, like the Agis, like the tippers, and there'd be lots of other transport operators that really they're they're not a great deal different from an employee. And so for them, a minimum rate makes more sense. Mm. But if you're, you know, running line hall with half a dozen different clients, does it make as much sense to say, well, this is how much you have to charge? Perhaps not as much. Yeah. 
I think it's something we're going to really need to look at in detail and, and iron out. There is no doubt that it's going to happen. Mm. Our incumbent government now has made it quite clear that that's their intent. Yep. And they are going to want to get it done sooner rather than later. They will see that process as fulfilling the promises that they delivered. Look, I don't have any problem with that. We've discussed it in some detail already. It's going to need to be ironed out a lot more. I just hope that when the people are at the table making the decisions about it, they've actually got the common sense to have some people that have owned trucks and signed the checks there to contribute to the discussion. Well, last time around, I don't think that happened because you had owner-drivers up and down the country screaming that the new minimum rates wouldn't work. Yep. And it was only right at the very last minute that the TW made an application to have that order put on hold. I'd like to think that we've learned some lessons from the past and we're not silly enough to repeat them. So, Luke, when is this election again? It's in mid to late November. The ballots will arrive. People will have an opportunity to vote. Yep. Yeah, like I say, give us a go. We've got plenty of industry experience and we've got fire in the belly. Every one of us is a union member who is keen to see things get better in the transport industry. We're not interested in politics to the extent that the union's got political influence. Mm. They need to be using it to look at how the fatigue laws work. They need to be using it to look at things like, why is it all right for a truck driver to lose their job if they lose points in their car or if they're a little bit over the limit and they lose their car license? Why does that mean they need to lose their job? Yep. Whereas a car driver... You know, they lose their license and they can turn up to work the very next day, no problems. So yep. we need to have a look at how the union can use its political influence to deal with some of those issues that affect truck drivers and heavy vehicle drivers every day, rather than trying to get safe seats in parliament for ex-union officials. We're not interested <laughs> in any of that. We're not interested in any of that. Yeah, turn into a cynic, Luke. <laughs> yes, well, I don't know whether I turned into one. I've always been one, but um, <laughs> we think there's a lot of opportunity here for the union to do a lot of good work for the industry, and we want to be a part of that. Well, that's right. So how many guys have you got standing? I think there's 17 of us. Right, eh? So that's quite a big ticket. Yep. We've people from Tasmania. We've got bus drivers, toll workers, Linfox workers, owner drivers, career drivers, fuel tanker drivers. So it's a diverse group of people. Yep. And we want to make this industry better. So hopefully people can throw us a bit of support. Pretty broad cross-section of guys. And old mate Mike McNess, have you heard anything from him? Is he sort of sitting there laughing or do you reckon he's shaking in his boots? Well, I think he should be worried mm. because uh, I don't think the union's travelling that well, and I think he knows that. Yeah. So I think he should be a bit concerned. And even if we lose, hopefully it's enough to send a message to them yep. that they need to pull their socks up a little bit. The wake-up call, you reckon, that's as much as anything, isn't it? Exactly right, because it's a very long shot. I mean, they've got every advantage in the world, so we're very much the underdog. But, yeah, like I say, it's as much about getting them to pull their finger out as it is to the win, but we're in it to win it. We've got the experience, so hopefully we can do it. Right, I will. Thanks for coming on and have a bit of a chat with me about it, Luke, and uh, educating me a bit. And I'm sure the drivers in Victoria and Tasmania who are listening will be interested to hear what's going on. And I'm just wondering what any of the union members that are hearing what you've got to say around the country are sort of feeling that maybe their representatives aren't representing them in the way they'd want to. But as I've always said, we've got a voice. We have to use it. If we don't use it, nothing changes. That's exactly right. Exactly. Well, mate, thanks for that. You take care, drive safe, and we'll talk to you again. Good on you. Thanks, mate. Bye. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. Copy there, Andy. Gotcha, go.
Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here. I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesel. Yeah, no, it's no joke, really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year. With the fines around 11 and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing, more to the point these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger. Yeah, roger that. Maybe Queensland Rail should do some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of bridge strikes. They are, mate. Why do you think we're recording this? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're smart people at Queensland, right? Yeah, good looking too, just like us. <laughs> this safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters. Know your trucking height. Hayley Jensen is an award-winning country artist who shot to fame as a finalist on Australian Idol and later made a chair-turning return to the small screen on The Voice where she was dubbed the whole package by her coach Kylie Minogue. She was a finalist in the 2022 Golden Guitar Awards for Female Artist of the Year and her album Breakin' Hearts went straight to the top of the ARIA charts. Hayley has been consistently touring throughout Australia and internationally most recently rocking the stages at the Denny Ute Muster and also alongside our mates the Wolf Brothers at the Lights on the Hill Memorial at Gatton in Queensland. She's a down-to-earth authentic songwriter with a powerhouse voice and has well and truly earned her place as one of the leading acts in the Australian music landscape. What's more, she's here on the road with us this week to talk about her career, her new album and her latest single, Four Boots, which features Canadian country rocker Clayton Bellamy of the Roadhammers. Here she is, the delightful Hayley Jensen. G'day Hayley, thank you for joining us on the road. Thank you so much for having me, it's great to be with you Andy. First of all, congratulations on the huge success of your latest album Breaking Hearts. It was a real marathon effort to get together. I was reading there, the production spanning two continents, three countries, multiple time zones. Talk about pushing the limits of technology. Yes. How did it all come together? Yeah, well, of course, you have these great ideas that you're going to record an album. And it had actually planned to go over to Canada to record the rest of the album and then the world shut down. Yeah. So I had a great opportunity in 2019 to head over to Canada to play at the Calgary Stampede. And I met a whole bunch of amazing writers and songwriters, producers, musicians. Mm. And that's where that all kind of started. And so, yeah, I wasn't going to back down on that idea of recording with this particular producer that I'd met when I was there that was fantastic. So we had to go all digital. Yeah. And it was all brand new for me and for him. I set up a little recording studio in my cupboard at home and as you do got all the computer programs set up and learned how to use them and off we went and recorded the rest of the album so it was pretty amazing to be able to do it that way and you know certainly not something that we set out to do initially but it was just great to not have those limitations that we have when you're having to travel to be in the same room as someone yeah well there's been a lot of that going on obviously covid presented some issues for people the amount of recordings we've come across that have been done over the internet, it's just amazing. Yeah, and I think it's great for music to not be limited in that particular way mm. and for people to be able to collaborate with anyone across the world that they want to. For sure. 
Now, we're going to listen to your new single, Four Boots, shortly, but a bit of background on the song first. Co-written with Canadian artist Dan Davidson and Clayton Bellamy from The Roadhammers. What's the story behind the song? It's got quite an interesting story to it. It's, it is a little bit of a cheeky song, actually. It is. There's often a lot of blokes that sing about these moments when they, you know, catch the eye of someone and end up taking them home with them. But yeah. there's not a whole lot of women that sing songs like this. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little controversial, I guess. But yeah, it's called Thor Boots. We kind of wrote it from the perspective of if you've just broken up with someone or what have you and you're out with your friends, you're not really looking to hook up with anyone or anything like that. You're just wanting to play a bit of pool, maybe sing a bit of karaoke if you want. And uh, next minute you've caught the eye of someone that takes you fancy and a few shots later you end up with not just your own boots at the end of the bed but another <laughs> pair there. So An extra pair in the collection. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've been touring extensively. I see you performed at the Denny Ute Muster recently. Yes. And also you were up in Gatton with our mates the Wolf Brothers for the Lights on the Hill event a few weekends ago. And you're not done yet. Yes. You must really love taking the show on the road. I absolutely love it. And actually Lights on the Hill up in Gatton was amazing. Mm. It was the trucking memorial convoy and then concert at the end of that. So that was full of all my favourite people. Yeah. I was telling you off air, my dad was a truck driver. So I had many a year surrounded by the big, beautiful beasts. And he drove all different types of trucks over the years. So one minute I was feeding the sheep in the back of the train. <laughs> and the next minute it was something else. And he would tell me that, of course, that he was taking them off to a lovely, beautiful paddock somewhere. There was a farmer waiting for them. And of yes, course. we all know what their fate was. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it's many years of, you know, dad being away and on the road. So I have a special place in my heart for truckies and the amazing work that they do and the sacrifice they make so that we can all have the things that we have in our lives. Yeah. So shout out to you guys on the road. Keep your eyes open and <laughs> we love you and hope this podcast and listening to the music and the stories keeps you entertained while you're out there making our lives a whole lot better. But yes, and I've felt like a bit of a truckie too, to be honest, traipsing up and down the highways the last little while with the band. Yeah. Hopefully not getting in your way too much, guys out there on the road. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's been amazing to be back on the road after a couple of years of not being able to do anything. And yeah. COVID was a bit of a blessing in disguise in that regard that we were able to take that time to record and write music and not have to worry about getting back out on the road every weekend. Yeah. But there's absolutely nothing like it. Playing live music, watching people sing along, and it's just a fantastic, magical thing. So, yes, we did Denny Ute Muster the other week. We had Lights on the Hill. This week we're headed to Ningen to the Big Bogan Festival. Lovely. <laughs> and then the next day I'm in Canberra for a Parkinson's fundraiser event. And then Groundwater Country Music Festival up in Queensland on the Gold Coast. And finishing out the year with a little bit of a tour of my own to celebrate 18 years of music since I was on the wonderful Australian Idol many years ago. Wow, no rest for the wicked girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love what I do. So the more I can get out there and meet people and look people in the eye and, and have a great night out together playing music, the more I can do that, the better. Happier I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you were talking before there about a special place in your heart. We mentioned Dan and Clayton before, and you've done quite a bit of work with Canadian artists as well as gracing the stages of the renowned Calgary Stampede and so on. Would it be fair to say you've got a bit of a soft spot for Canada? 
I do. Yeah. I really do. It kind of shows. I know. <laughs> I know. It's actually, it's kind of snowballed into something way bigger than it ever was meant to be. I really was just heading over there to play a stampede and see how we sort of went. But one thing led to another and I was co-writing with the Road Hammers when I was over there, which was just amazing. They're such great guys. Yeah. And then uh, when I got back, Clayton and I connected over Zoom and we wrote another song called Better Than That off my album Breaking Hearts as well. And then Dan asked me to be part of a duet of his called Really Shouldn't Drink Around You. So that was released in Canada and Australia. And then the boys from a band called Petrick in Manitoba in Canada contacted me, said, oh, would you sing on our duet too? Oh, oh, yeah, okay, sure, no worries. So there was another one released, and then now I've just released Four Boots, which is featuring Clayton Bellamy himself. Yeah. So, as I say, snowballed from, I'll just check out Canada and see what's going on over there, into three duets and an album recorded with Canadian producer and a whole lot more on the way. It's been great. It's been really interesting to just work with people from other parts of the world. Yeah. Well, the Canadians are very similar to us, aren't they? Yeah. Very similar laid-back attitude, very similar sense of humour. Yeah, they are. And they love Aussies too. They do. And, you know, we poke fun at each other and our funny little accents and their inability to get through a conversation without saying sorry and probably ours too. (laughs) Or sorry. Indeed. Well, I'm sitting here today in my T-shirt I bought over in Vancouver and it just simply says, Canada, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yes. I've been doing a lot of writing with Canadians and you're right. I have also done quite a bit of work in America with Nashville writers and producers and what have you, but mm-hmm. I feel a certain affinity with the Canadians. Yeah. And country music is absolutely huge over there. It is, yeah. It's been a good little partnership. Enjoying it. Mm. With more shows coming up in Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, where can our listeners go to find out all the details of your upcoming shows and just to get to know more about you? Yeah, well, I've got a website. If you just put my name into Google, it should come up. But HayleyJensen.net is the website. Mm -hmm. Obviously, on all the socials, just under my name, Hayley Jensen, Facebook, Instagram, all that. And all the dates are up on my gig guide on my website. And, yeah, I'd love for, you know, if people are coming through town, stop and catch a show and it'd be great to see you. Come and let me know that you heard me on the podcast. Brilliant. Folks, my guest this week has been the wonderful Hayley Jensen. Hayley, it's sad to say we're out of time for now, but a big thank you for coming out to play on the road with us today. Hey, thank you so much for letting me be your company and for supporting my music, Andy, too. I really, really appreciate it. Cool as. We'll have to do it again. Now, we'd love to play your new single right now. Would you please introduce it for us? Absolutely. This is Hayley Jensen with my brand new single, Four Boots, on the road podcast. Ain't gonna wear those whiskey glasses. Ain't here to find last call romances. Sink a couple bottles, hammer damn full throttle with the boys. Check it out. Give me that drunk Shania karaoke. Give me that high heels off kind of party. Me and my girls at the bar gonna make a little noise, yeah. I didn't come here to get around paid for. Or to meet somebody on the dance floor. Not looking for love, ain't trying to hook up. But you're coming on strong like a free pole. Blame it on the jukebox, on the neon lights, on the 501 to fit just right. Blame it on the way that I'm looking at you, looking at me. 
This is Gordon, your favorite Canadian refugee trucker living in America, where, whilst hauling logs around the far northern reaches of Appalachia, I enjoy the On the Road podcast with Mike and Andy, keeping up with the news and history and everything that's good about trucking and the land down under. What a great show. Thanks a bunch. to talk about is brought to you by only trucks and credit one buying your next truck has never been so easy go to onlytrucks.com.au something to talk about something to think about been talking quite a bit about how this industry is suffering the freight task is not getting any smaller drivers are getting harder and harder to come by we're seeing companies fall by the wayside No one is willing to jack the rates up. We live in a strange time and we're working in a cutthroat industry. It's always been cutthroat. I mean, I can remember years ago we were talking about there being a shortage of drivers. I can remember years ago they're talking about the rates never being enough. I remember as an owner-operator, you know, I was always scrambling to try and get a bit better rate. Even when fuel was a dollar a litre, God, I can't imagine what it'd be like now trying to find $2.35 or $2.40 for a litre of diesel now. I'd be tearing my bloody hair out. I know that the rates have changed, but they haven't changed enough to compensate for it. They don't go up with the cost of living. And I think that the reason why the rates are held low is because people aren't game to ask for more money because they're absolutely scared that they're going to lose what work they do have. Well, breaking news, you can go broke slowly turning the wheels and not making enough money to pay the bills, or you can go broke quickly, sit on the couch drinking beer. The sad reality is that we're not doing ourselves any favours by continually pandering to this sharpen the pencil mentality, do it as cheap as you can mentality. Think about it. 
You go and buy yourself a 909 or a 610 or anybody truck these days that's worth having, and you're paying half a million dollars for a new prime mover. Half a million dollars. Go and buy a set of fridge vans. There's another half a million. If you put that million just in the bank, you might be able to live off the interest. I don't know whether you could or you couldn't. Maybe you could. But you certainly wouldn't lose the uh, capital investment. You know, It wouldn't depreciate $40,000 by driving it out off the showroom floor onto the road. The fact is that we run a business. If you're an owner-driver, you're running a business. The likes of Tolls and all the other majors that we cart for, they all know how much it costs to run a truck. They all know down to the cent how much it costs to run a truck. They're in the business of making money and they shave quite a bit off the top. Don't let anyone tell you that they don't. The prime contractor rates aren't too bad. Owner drivers that have got their own freight are probably doing all right, and I know a few that are. But it's also a reality that a lot of guys don't have their own freight. They tow trailers for someone or they're locked in the position and they get themselves in the situation where that if they don't turn the wheels, they can't make the payment. The bank will come after them. The house is tied up in it. The missus is expecting that there's going to be a certain amount of money in the bank. And then, of course, we get the grubs that don't pay you or are late paying you and all that sort of thing. It's a tough game. It's a cutthroat game. And that's why people don't want to jack the rates up, I think. We need to have a recommended safe rate. I'm not so sure we need a legislated safe rate, because if you did that, then I think that that would become the rate. But a recommended safe rate, which is adjusted by the CPI, and I can't understand why the ATA, VTA, Nat Road, and even the NRFA that I'm a part of don't work out what the rates are and publish them so that people can reference them. So when you go to Mr. Toll or Mr. Whoever, and they give you a rate to do a job, you can reference what that rate should be and compare it and say, well, hang on, how come that's a couple of hundred bucks less than what the recommended rate should be? We need to talk about this and have somewhere to go, have something to point to. I think that's the way to go. Let's have a talk about it. You know how to get a hold of me. 0418 422 is the number. Give me a call, have a chat. Some guys do. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Slip me an email, mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. More than happy to talk about anything else. If you want your point of view put out there, come on the show or just email me or text me and I'll put your point of view for you. No problem. Keep it safe. We'll see you on the road. Copy there, Andy. Yeah, got you go. You've got to love that big brekkie at the roadhouse. Oh, you're not wrong. It's a great feed. Hey, was that Davo's truck that came in spluttering and coughing like an old tractor? Yeah, mate, I think it's about time you upgraded the old girl. Yeah, roger that. Though it's a bit of a nightmare shopping for a new rig. Doesn't have to be, mate. Found this place called Only Trucks. An online one-stop shop for buying and selling trucks. With all the best makes and models, it's associated with Credit One. Organise the finance for you. You can deal with the sellers direct through the website. Cut out the middleman, save time and money. Sounds like the way to go. Where do I find them? Too easy, mate. Go to onlytrucks.com.au and it's all laid out there for you. You should send Davo a text and tell him to go to Only Trucks and get a new rig. Might just buy you a beer or three. Davo? He wouldn't shout if he was bit by a shark, mate. (laughs) Upgrading your truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au Hey everybody, this is Tony Justice, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Handy. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better.
We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hey Mike, how you doing? Mate, just a bit damp. I'm getting the floaties out. I thought you'd have had them on by now. Oh, no, I managed to slip them off there for a while. I thought I was okay because I came out of Western New South Wales. But I'm up here in Bris Vegas now, mate, out at Dara. Yep. I've got a wet ass. It's pouring. <laughs> a bit damp up here now. A bit damp, but it, it, no good. Hey, listen, in your travels, it, tell me, is it just me or is there more road work than usual going on at the moment? Well, there's more road work going on than usual, mate, because there's more stuff roads than usual. You should see the potholes. Oh, I've seen some of them, yeah. So you get lost in them. I saw a bloke fishing in one the other day. <laughs> I drove past one and all I could see was a little hand waving at the top of it. I didn't, <laughs> didn't know if it was someone that needed help or what. There was a bloke down near Shepparton with a jet ski the other day. And I thought, you know, ordinarily you'd think, what are you doing with a jet ski in the middle of Shepparton? But I don't think he was that ambitious at all, mate. Puddles everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> survival of the fittest. Yep. Now, I just ask, because a mate of mine's been out of work for ages, but last week he finally scored himself a job at the roadworks on the Bruce Highway north of Brisbane. That's a job for the rest of his life? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. First day on the job, it was just his luck. He came down with a severe case of laryngitis. Okay. Yeah, but he was so determined to impress that he turned up for work anyway. And he got the call over his walkie-talkie mm. that he needed to slow down the traffic heading northbound. So he held up his slow sign, which I always find funny. Yeah. And walked over to the first car in the queue and he gestured for the driver to wind his window down. And he leaned into the car and no voice and he whispered, Please slow down. There's a roadwork crew up ahead. <laughs> the driver nodded and whispered back to him, no problem, mate. I'll try not to wake him up. <laughs> uh, with apologies to any road workers out there. <laughs> My Qatari-based freight distribution company has been fined $3,500 for failing to comply with a compliance notice which required four workers that were employed by the business between 2016 and 2021 to be back paid. That's right, mate. Twenty odd thousand dollars worth of underpayments to their staff, plus superannuation and interest and all that sort of thing. Mm. The Fair Work Ombudsman said that they needed to pay it back, and they gave them notices to rectify all this. Sandra Parker, the Fair Work Ombudsman, said the business operators failed to act on compliance notices, and businesses need to be aware that these are court-imposed penalties, and they have to back pay the workers. Well. Mm. They've come unglued and the Fair Work Ombudsman's bitten them a little bit and so it should be. Judge Humphreys, who presided over the case... Judge Humphreys? Judge Humphreys. Are you being so? Sorry, no. <laughs> oh, 
No, don't do that. Well, they were being served, weren't they? <laughs> they were being served. They were indeed. Mm. I'm not so sure we can make aspersions about Judge Humphreys, though. I don't think it's a bit of a scary thought. Yes. He imposed the penalty. Mm. I'm assuming it's a heat. Yes, Judge Douglas Humphreys considered the underpayment significant and he imposed the penalty, stating that the road freight transport industry has been highlighted as an area where there is some significant non-compliance. And that's one of the reasons why some people can't get drivers, because they rip them off. Yeah. <laughs> sure, there's a lot of Robinson Crusoe. There wouldn't be any other companies that would underpaid their drivers, would Oh, God, no, mate. Rare as rock and horse manure, they are. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. Yeah. Just before we go, though, we just need to tell people that they can visit the Fair Work website, www.fairwork.gov.au, if they want to make a complaint. Hmm. Or there's an info line they can ring 131394 and get some free advice and assistance about their rights and or obligations. Check it out. That phone's going to be running hot. Mm. Mm. The TWU has claimed that the toll group's minimal offer for diesel cost recovery to owner-operators carting groceries is a kick in the teeth for the subbies. Mate, a kick in the teeth is an understatement. Mm. These grubs are offering subcontractors 10 cents a pallet space. Mm. 10 cents a pallet space. Mm. Put this into perspective, a 22 pallet, 24 pallet truck, 10 cents a pallet space. Mm-hmm. Mate, you can't even buy a cup of coffee for that. Pretty much. It doesn't pay for them to drive around the block in diesel. Mm. It's barely a couple of litres of diesel. Not even. That's an absolute insult to be offering someone that sort of a buddy adjustment when we're talking 500 to to $1,000 a week extra for each truck just for diesel. Mm. Cost recovery is an important thing. Like I've said time and time again, I'm a broken record on the subject. It's all about the rates. Yep. The TWU, God help me, are 100% right here. Mm. You know, may lightning strike me. Mm. Why do I find myself agreeing with the TWU more and more often? Because some of these people are absolute grubs. That's why. Mm. The TWU is highlighting the urgent need for supply chain accountability and it's always been about the rates. We've got to get the rates right. Yep. And toll know what it costs to run a truck. Mm. They can't say that they don't. Mm. Anything less than a fair rate is unsustainable. Toll know it. They can't keep the subbies if they don't pay them properly. Yep. It's just a cynical offer and it's about time we got stuck into this properly, you know? Less like a kick in the teeth as a knee in the groin. That's right, mate. Yeah. We'd have a robust conversation with some of these fellas out behind the bike shed, I think. (laughs) A highway patrol officer has said that he was impressed with what he was seeing from drivers during a two-day compliance blitz in Townsville this week. I wonder if they drug tested him. (laughs) Because the first time I've ever heard a highway patrol officer say that we've been good. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Could be a million reasons, but I can't think of any of them. No, no. Senior Sergeant Nolder said, we've been good boys and girls. And he said, all in all, we're doing the right thing, and we're very happy with the response from the truckies. Truckies were happy to talk to them and do a bit of a roadside breath test and drug test, etc. Hmm. He said that sometimes education is better than ticketing. I like this guy. Yeah. I like this guy a lot. Hmm. Can he come to somewhere down south and start policing down here somewhere or perhaps encourage some of the other officers to have a similar attitude? Yeah, maybe. He just said that uh, we're doing a good job and the community appreciates what we do for them. And look, I'm sure that they all do. Not everyone's hard to get on with. Mm. Just a reminder, though, like 233 people uh, lost their lives on Queensland roads so far this year. And that's an absolute tragedy for anyone, families and all that sort of thing. Mm. Pragmatic Mo says we're never, ever going to get to zero, but we need to do what we can. We need to keep doing the right thing. Nice to get a pat on the back from the highway patrol, though. Thanks very much, Senior Sergeant Nolder.
What a guy. What a guy. You almost be tempted to pull the pin on the news there on that little peace and goodwill piece. <laughs> but we won't. We, 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 we won't? No, we'll roll on. Roll on. Mate, you've got some news of major trucking events coming up around the country. Yeah, there's a great long list of things. Now that the COVID pandemic is over... Is it? And it's in the rear vision mirror, finally. Okay. The events are just coming thick and fast now. Mm. Go to bigrigs.com.au and have a look at the page there. There is a list of major events for your trucking diary. The Denny Truck Show, I believe, has been cancelled due to floods. Well, it's a good thing the old Denny Ute music must have got theirs in before all the rain fell, hey? Yeah, that's right. Mm. And uh, I believe that was a pretty cracking show too. Uh, Darlinghurst played out there for that one. Certainly did. Great to see Aussie bands getting in there. And I think, was it Courtney Keel at, at Bathurst sang the National Anthem, wasn't it? Yep, yep. Our mate Courtney. We've got a great music industry. We really do. We do. It's fantastic. Yep. The Gold Coast Truck Show's coming up in October. We've got a couple of convoys in Sydney. Brisbane Convoy for Kids in November. Newcastle Truck Meet in November. Goulburn Convoy for Kids, also November 19. The big one, I suppose, is the Dane Ballinger Memorial Truck Show. That's on November 19 as well. That's up in Bathurst. And then the Illawarra Convoy for Kids on the 20th, which is where I'll be. Yep. And Castlemaine Truck Show's on as well, November 26. I'll be in New Zealand then, so I won't be able to go to that one. After Christmas, it's just a great long raft of things to do. We've just got to enjoy it, I suppose, while we can. And if you've got something on, email the editor at Big Rigs. That's editor at bigrigs.com.au and let James know what you've got going on and he'll get it put on the calendar. Yeah, well, it's a good thing after that long, quiet time, isn't it? Oh, mate, all the truck shows are back on and uh, really the only limiting factor now is the weather. Mm. I mean, even out at Bort, they got a few old trucks out there at Bort and people skirted their way around the puddles to go and have a look at those. Yeah. It's fantastic, mate. It's not so much looking at the trucks, it's meeting the drivers, it's meeting the guys that own them and, you know, looking at the history and what goes on. You can't miss it. Great bit of networking. Yep. Get out there and have a chat and have a look. Take the family out and show them what it's all about, you know? Yeah. Now, mate, we've got a late news piece. <laughs> we don't really need a sound effect for it, thanks, anyway. No, but you're not getting one. No, good. You made mention earlier in the show of Kitco Transport, a business that began some 64 years ago mm. and is now sadly closing its doors for the last time. You've got some more information on the closure. Well, looking at what's going on on social media, and there's been a lot, a lot of comment about Kitco on social media now, they are a very, very well-known company. Mm. And as you say, been around in the game for a long time. They've had alliances with other industry companies and Old mate Ron Townley obviously did the hard yards and built the company, a family business. Now, look, I'm sad to see any business close. I really am. For sure. But the sad reality of it is there's only one reason why they're closing, mm. and that is because they can't attract and retain quality staff. They even say that themselves. Mm. Mm. They've had the resignation of drivers, operation staff, and key people, and they've been unable to replace them. As I've said over and over and over and over again, I'm a broken record on it and I hate to say it, while I'm sad to say, Kitco and Hilders and there's a swathe of companies that we've seen over the last 12 months. Yes, COVID's played a part. That made life a lot harder for everyone. Yep. But the sad reality of it is these guys won't get out and charge the customers what they need to charge them to make their businesses profitable, mm. to pay the people what they need to pay them to attract the good people and bring them to your business. Now, Kitco, I've been told, are one of the companies that were always happy to train people, and that may be so. 
But once they've trained them, what did they do to keep them? Mm. You know, did they incentivize them to stay? And this is the issue that we've got over and over and over again. It's the reason people won't train staff because they know that once they've trained them, they've got the experience and that experience is portable. They can go anywhere they like. Yep. As I've said, over and over again, they don't leave trucking. They just go and they do something else. I really should get off the soapbox about this, but I cannot understand for the life of me why people cannot see the wood for the trees. Mm. This has been going on for ages. 20 years ago, we were talking about the fact that all of us old boys, or now old boys, are looking down the barrel of retirement. Well-earned retirement, too. Mm. You know, we've done our work. The young guys and young girls don't want to come into the industry now. They don't want to do the things that we did, and you can't blame them for it. It was hard yards. You know, you get to 60, 65 in this game, if you haven't had a heart attack, a marriage breakup, or some sort of debilitating physical injury, you've been one of the very, very few. That just sounded like a country music song, mate. Well, you know, <laughs> with the advent of AI electric trucks, mate, I'm waiting for a song about the truck leaving his driver. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can laugh about it, and it is funny. But the reality of it is is that Kitco are now reaping what the industry sown, the same as Hilda's, the same as Burke's, the same as Maranoa Freight Lines, the same as all the other names and companies we knew and loved, they're all reaping the bloody crop that we've been sowing for the last 20 years, mate. Yeah. And I cannot for the life of me understand why people can't see that that's true. I also can't understand why people like the ATA, the VTA and all these other clowns are not advocating for the change that we need. The change that we need is not more imported drivers. We've got enough problems with driver training, driver recruitment, without bringing people that don't understand our culture, don't understand our road etiquette, don't understand the way we do business. We've got enough problems without bringing them into the industry as well. Mm. There are more than enough people out there with licenses. What we've got to do is we've got to incentivize them to get back behind the wheel. Yep. We've got to give them a reason to go out there and make the sacrifices that need to be made to move the freight. Mm. We seem to have answers. We want to make truck drivers a profession that we need to import qualified people for. How about we take that one step further and pay the qualified people who have got in the country properly? Mm. The only answer that we've got is to import drivers or give us bigger trucks to drive. Mm -hmm. They're the two answers that they come up with. And it just amazes me how the authorities can say, oh, yes, no problem now. We can have a PBS road train and we can run that around anywhere we like now. I'm amazed at where I'm seeing PBS road trains now. Mm. Places before, we, if you drove a B-double, you get a blister the size of a bloody watermelon. They talk about getting a pineapple stuffed up your bum for being in the wrong place. Mate, we're sticking watermelons up there now. There you go. It's ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, that's my rant, mate. Are you done? Not really. No. I could go on. I knew we should have stopped with that happy copper in Townsville. <laughs> Senior Sergeant Nalva. <laughs> He's the man. Mike, thought for the week. Please. If life is a highway, then I obviously took a dirt road. <laughs> I'm going to ride it all night. <laughs> I'm on the pothole road, so what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Oh, I do. Mate, keep safe. Keep your snorkel up. Yeah, well, I'm going to put the floaties on. I'm going to go out and do these hatches up, mate. It's unreal. All right. Have fun. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Just before we close out this week's show, here's a shout out to our great mate and loyal Canadian listener from Niagara, Gianni Bravo. Thanks heaps mate for tuning in every week and for all your kind comments over the past couple of years. This one's for you. 
Our music guest this week mentioned a song she recorded with Canadian country rocker Dan Davidson. It follows a similar storyline to her Four Boots song we played earlier, and it rocks. To take us out of the show this week, here's Dan Davidson to introduce the duet he recorded with Haley called Really Shouldn't Drink Around You. Hey everybody, Really Shouldn't Drink Around You features my good friend Haley Jensen, who is one of Australia's top female artists. She's amazing, you're going to love her. The song actually premiered in Australia on Australian radio, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this one. Platonic. Hey, one that's gonna turn into two is gonna turn into you and me. At a quarter to three with four boots under the bed. Yeah, you know where it's headed to. I really shouldn't drink around you. It's a risk, it's a gamble. A little more than I can handle. Just a touch of a buzz is enough to get the thinking things. I really shouldn't think about it. If we order another shot There ain't any way to muster up the strength that I haven't got Yeah, wine's gonna turn into wine I'm turning the lights off, blurring the lines And in no time we're doing things that friends don't do I really shouldn't drink around you It's a risk, it's a gamble A little more than I can handle Touch of a buzz is enough to get the thinking things. I really shouldn't think about you. We end up on the fast track, getting back to where we left the past. That think I would have learned a lesson by now, but I never do. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to educating drivers to know their vehicle height and to plan their trip ahead to avoid low-lying bridges. Go to www.qr.com.au. Be sure to join us again next week when our guest says... Wow, look at that. Perfect. Mike says... That's another story for another day. And Andy says, For an old bloke, I'm doing pretty well. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Such thing as gin and platonic. I really shouldn't drink around you. It's a risk, it's a gamble. A little more than I can handle. Just a touch of a buzz is enough.